Welcome to the Campfire Conversation Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Kelly. Ask almost anybody who's been to summer camp, whether they be kids or staff members, and they'll tell you, it is awesome. They will also tell you through their words, but mostly through their actions, that they learn a ton while there too. As a longtime camp director, youth sport coach, and father to three growing young men, I know the lessons that we learn at camp can be hugely beneficial for all of us back home in the real world. So, each week, I'll spend some time around the digital campfire talking with professionals from inside and around the summer camp world. We'll share their lessons, their ideas, and their practices in a way that I hope will be immediately useful for your life back home. So, pull up a seat, get your marshmallow ready to roast, and let's spend some time learning together around the campfire. The life of a camp director has become more and more interesting for me over the course of the last couple of decades. When I got started in camping, if you had told me I'd become friends with two guys who spent all their time developing a connection between Chinese families and the idea of American-style summer camp, I'd be like, sure, okay, whatever. I'm so happy that the strange occurrence not only happened, but has totally flourished. My friends, Marco Reyes and Mike Lewis, are American expats living and working in Beijing and Shanghai, China, respectively. Partners in the thriving YMCE group, which has brought a number of Chinese kids over to the United States for the past several summers for camp, they've recently begun opening their own American-style summer camps in China. In fact, Mike is the director at Greenwood Camps in Shanghai. With all that's going on in the world, I thought it'd be a good idea to have Marco and Mike around the campfire to talk summer camp, COVID-19, and what they've learned through the past four months of dealing with it all. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with my friends, Marco and Mike. Mike, Marco, great to have you guys on the show. It's great to be here, Cole. Thanks for having us. So the, the last time the three of us were together, we were uh, setting Shenzhen ablaze with our dance steps at <laughs> one of the most fun um, camp conference parties I've, I've ever been at. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That was actually October, October 2018, I think. That's right, October 2018. Yeah. And yes, Mike, you're right, it, it did start on a boat, technically on the South China Sea. Um, yes. with a whole bunch of Russian camp directors and camp owners, um, which totally blew my mind. I mean, the fact that we were <laughs> uh, we were on a boat celebrating a birthday uh, that Marco had set up somehow. Um, <laughs> and somehow we got through that night, but I do remember that we, we had all promised to go to Siberia. And to my lasting shame, I, I did not go to, to the camp conference in Siberia <laughs> that year. Yeah, we all agreed to go to Siberia after... Um much prying right. by Valeri. <laughs> and then, uh, we didn't realize it was supposed to be in winter, though. He was like, yeah, come to Siberia. And then I found out it was in January. And we were like, oh, that seems like a bad plan. Yeah, that, that definitely is a bad plan. But that, that to me was one of, I mean, it was it was really awesome being able to go to the, the, the conference in China for the camp education, which was mind-opening for me. But then to have so many camp professionals from literally around the world there, um, it it reminded me of something that, frankly, I didn't even really ever think about, which camp is a worldwide thing. It is not just a U.S., a Northeastern or Southeastern or West Coast thing. Camps are literally right. everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right, right. Um, I mean, that, a lot of the people who came to the conference were members of the ICF. Um, and so the ICF has spent the last, you know, 30 years trying to build up the connection between camps, not just in the U.S. and Canada, but all around the world. 
mm-hmm. which is why there were so many people from different countries on that one boat and then ultimately on the party. Yeah, that was incredible. So how did you two guys from the U.S. wind up going, Mike, you said you're in Shanghai, um, Marco, mm-hmm. you're in Beijing. How did you guys get involved in starting camps in China? Sure, Mike, go ahead. Uh, ultimately, I came to Beijing in 2008 to do my MBA, um, and I'd come out the previous summer to do a study abroad program. And during that summer, I met a guy named Rob, who actually was Marco's roommate the following year, and he introduced Marco and I together. Um, and then one day, Marco and I were sitting on the couch, and he's like, I have this really amazing idea to kind of bring Chinese kids to the U.S. to kind of fill in beds, because at that time, we were still going through the economic crisis. Mm-hmm. And so we thought we would put U.S. camps and Chinese kids together, and we would save and change the camping industry and or the world. It was our original dream. Nice. <laughs> as Marco will tell you, the rest is history. Awesome. How about you, Marco? Yeah, uh, yeah. I came to China first for an internship in 08. Uh, and then 2009, like, like Mike said, uh, uh, we were introduced by a common roommate that we had. And, um, and so me coming from Chicago, my camp story was mostly through day camping, uh, junior lifeguard camping specifically. I was, I was always at the beach every summer um, learning lifeguard skills and competing in lifeguard competitions mm. uh and um you know my t- my stint in overnight camp didn't happen until after i met mike you know mike had um an extensive background in boy scouting uh and and scout camping and uh and a number of other programs he was involved in before and before we dived uh we decided to dive right into uh working with residential camps i thought it would be great for me to go there first myself and so uh, I actually applied to a bunch of camps in 2010 that summer um, in the Northeast mostly mm-hmm. and uh, got offers at all of them because when you tell them, hey, I'm not in it for the money, <laughs> I think employers <laughs> like to hear that. <laughs> and uh, and it, was, it, was, it changed my life. It genuinely changed my life. It was one of the best summers I ever had in my life. And um, it just uh, afterwards, the camp director, uh, you know, I had a conversation with him of the idea Mike and I had to bring some Chinese campers over mm-hmm. and he was, were open arms. Uh, and yeah, so then we, we saw that that was, uh, you know, that was very touching and we went back and, and made steps towards, uh, setting up the, 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 the original recruitment agency is what we were. And, um, and yeah, after that, since then we've been, you know, active members and all the camp camping conferences mm-hmm. and associations uh, on different parts of the planet. And, you know, it's just really been completely uh, uh, like part of our life. And yeah. so it is what we do. It's what we commit our lives to since uh, just two young guys in 2009 uh, in Beijing. So <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. It's the, amazing. The Mike and I have been on. Yeah. Yeah. It's been absolutely amazing. So I guess at this point, we're kind of bookending um, with two pretty major crises. Um, the first, when you guys yeah, got your right. start, the financial crisis in 2008. Uh, now we're going through right. COVID. Um, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm interested sure. to know, I know you and I, the three of us have talked a little bit over the course of the last couple of months, just kind of checking in with each other. Um, I know we've we've worked together for, I think, six or seven years now, and, and I would say been been friends for the last three or four, and it's, it's been a ton of fun knowing you guys. What what has it been like for you guys? You know, Mike, what's it like being in Shanghai, Marco? What's it like being in Beijing for, for you guys right now? Um, so right now in Shanghai, things are starting to open back up. 
Mm -hmm. Um, We went out of our house for the first time on Monday. And so I got to go to the store. Uh, Now there's a barcode kind of system that lets you know how long have you been stationary and proves that you're like technically safe. Mm -hmm. Um, You get a green barcode that says, you know, you're, you're okay. Okay, so just let's restaurants and bars and things like that. So let's just set the context. So we're recording this March twenty fifth, twenty sixth, and and you've been inside. You've been homebound since when? Um, So I've been homebound ultimately since January the fifteenth. Wow. Um, we took a short hiatus to the UK to get Elias his British passport. Mm-hmm. That's and then we've been back in China since the 7th of March. Okay, got it. And so you really, you've been homebound that entire time? and, and The entire this? time. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Holy cow. What was it like and getting so, out? <laughs> um, Weird. Because, I mean, we, everyone's wearing masks, but then we've literally been in the house mm-hmm. the majority of the time. And so our groceries are delivered. Um, and so going out of the compound was very bizarre. It wasn't super crowded. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you would expect most people are still pretty much staying home. Um, and it felt just like a holiday time. Not like it was like a holiday, but what I mean is there's like less people around. You know what I mean? When you go to the store or go to the mall or go to go to the restaurants and things, it was very few people anywhere. Yeah. Wow. How about you, Marco? Right. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been uh, since... Late January, I've been outside of Beijing mm-hmm. and the mainland, mm-hmm. um, and I just got back uh, to Beijing around uh, almost three weeks ago. And so for Beijing uh, and Shanghai as well, uh, you're required to do a 14-day quarantine. So even for my, for my building specifically in my neighborhood committee, you can't even leave your apartment door. So... You can't. You, uh, there, there are runners that come and and give you your deliveries and and also even take out your trash. But you're not allowed to leave your apartment. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, the level of the uh, how, how strict they're being here in Beijing, uh, it being the capital, and then wanting to make sure there's no return to uh, what it was like before. Sure. And um, so yeah, going out, I would say the best way for to describe what it's like outside is that um, it's it's. Imagine how empty the streets are, or how not as busy it is on Christmas Day, or mm, or yeah. um, you know something to that nature. Mm-hmm. And but it's just constant, so right. it's just never ending. So it's been like that for about uh, maybe the last month, and before that, it was even more of a ghost town. Before that, yeah. And um, but you know, also just to talk on the greater, uh, you know, what's what's happening else, elsewhere throughout China. So it really depends on what region you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some areas, most areas are stable. China is stable. It is, it is true. Um, and luckily Hubei province where, which was the epicenter of Wuhan, mm-hmm. um, uh, city, uh, ha- is, is starting to open up. So meaning that their yeah. citizens can now, uh, leave the city, which will then in turn mean that they are returning to, um, larger cities where they usually work. Most of these residents of or these uh, citizens of Hubei, so there'll be returning. Uh, there'll be a, a, lar- a, a slight migration from that province back to their cities where they where they originally employed. So that said, Beijing, Shanghai, I can only imagine them becoming more strict. Um, mm-hmm. You yeah, know, uh, as we're over the next uh, few weeks or even month, uh, as it as, yeah, the the plans are open up, roll out. Got but it. generally, yeah. you know, safe, and there's a feeling of, uh, you know, of calm, and and you know, you see families uh, out on the, into the parks, and you know, having a little more confidence, but everyone's still being vigilant and wearing masks, and that's just the standard yeah. of behavior now here. Wow. 
Yeah, I think also one thing to point out is that you can see people like longing to talk to each other. Yes. Um, and so anywhere we're out walking around, everyone's like trying to smile behind their mask. You can see their eyes kind of squinted. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of your main main indicator. Yes. So it's, it's people are helpful. So it's interesting. You know, we live here in Athens, Georgia, and, and you know, we take walks. It's been it's spring here. You know, the the red buds pop and the dogwoods are coming out. Um, so we'll be out of the house for a walk. You know, you hear. Um, in our area, which is Athens, Georgia, has decided to, to do a clamp down, you know, a shelter in place. You know, they can't enforce it, they've said, but they they want all citizens to do it, and we're we're doing our best to provide, you know, go by that. Um, but we get out for a walk, and it's amazing how many people are smiling and waving at each other, other and talking across the street. Um, people who, frankly, we've never spoken to, or they've never spoken to us, or we've never seen the the want for human connection. I think is, you know, even people when we've driven to the store, because we can still drive to the grocery store, and we'll drive to the grocery store, sure. people are waving at each other now on the roads, um, which yeah. used to be a really old, small-town, southern thing that I grew up doing um, in a town of sure. 2000. Uh, now, it, it's, you're driving down the highway, and you're waving at, at everybody just because you want some form of, hey, I see you, and you see me. Yeah, exactly. How um, I can say mm-hmm. in my compound, at least, we live across from like the playground. Um, and prior to even, I guess, like the COVID isolation, you never see any of the kids because they're always in classes or in mm-hmm. school. And the last couple of days, all the kids who were in the compound have been like playing. And I've never seen these kids in the last three years since I've been here. I'm like, I didn't know you lived four houses for me. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, I've been here the whole time. It's crazy. <laughs> well, and speaking of that, I mean, you guys work with kids all over China. And, and obviously, you, you've sent ch- children all over the world uh, to, to summer camp. How are the kids handling this experience in China right now from, from your perspective? Um, for us, I think we, we've done a couple of video chats with some of our, our previous campers and our kids that we talked to, um, and everyone's generally pretty okay. Mm-hmm. Um, for them, I think it's a little bit more, they're happy because they're with their parents all the time. Mm. Um, just recently have parents been able to go back to work. Um, and so a lot of kids have been like, I've never seen this, my mom or my dad for this long of a period of time at once since I was a baby. Um, and so they're, you know, working on homeschooling projects and doing like science activities with their parents and trying to like generally have fun. Um, I think in the beginning, because people didn't know how long it was going to last, mm-hmm. the parents just kind of were like, well, we'll just hang on and be at home and play with you. And so now, obviously, trying to get the businesses started, they're tending to pull back and go into the normal routine. But I think um, overall, most of the kids are not super clear about how... I guess dangerous it could be, mm-hmm. so they're just enjoying the time with their parents. Sure. And Marco, when all this got started, you actually were leading um, a skiing trip, I think, in New Zealand. Right. Yeah, I was. I was set to go uh, on a one of our winter cramp programs to Japan. Actually, oh, okay. Uh, um, right before it hit, so it was. It was quite. Uh, it was quite a stressful time to, to decide what we were going to do. It was right before the official announcement was happening of, uh, uh, you know, Wuhan being locked down mm-hmm. um, and all of these procedures being taken. And so, yeah, I was, I was meant to go with a group of 30 kids uh, skiing in, in, in Japan at that time. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a very tricky decision to, to, to say to cancel it. Um, but, yeah, it was the right decision, obviously. Yeah, I, I, looking back, certainly was absolutely the right one. What? So from let's let's kind of shift now to, to camp. Um, you guys yeah. run a number of American style summer camps um, in yeah. 
China. Uh, Mike, I know you're the director of the Cambridge programs, and, and Mark, Marco, you help make sure it all is running and, and getting out there. The idea is, what is this experience doing to the, how is it affecting the camp industry in China? Um, from our specific camps, um, during the winter, we had to cancel more than half of our winter programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and normally during the spring, we run a lot of weekend camps and a lot of international school programs for, you know, we'll do one or two day overnights for five, 600 kids at a time. Mm-hmm. And all of that has been halted. Um, I actually went to camp for the first time since January. Mm. And prior to the whole COVID-19, I was at camp at least one day a week, um, at least at the Shanghai site. Um, and so for us, it's been a major pullback in our, our business, right? So we're all trying to wait until everything is clear and safe to get back outside. And I think Marco can sign to say a little bit more about the industry as a whole. Right. I mean, um, a lot of companies are quite reliant on, you know, winter programs and campers being in, in camp. And um, it's, it's uh, from what I've been hearing from our friends in the industry um, and camp professionals across China, um, is that, yeah, it's, it's, it's significantly has hit um, the, the entire camp education market here. Mm-hmm. Um, there are uh, also there have been signs. There are, there are some there's, there's things to take away as well. Uh, I think that for some people or organizations um, who were maybe in it for more commercial means, they've now shifted quite quickly into other industries. So mm. I just I I I, uh, I got a figure from a friend of mine um, in one of the camp associations here in China uh, that he estimates around twenty to thirty percent of their membership uh, has uh, stopped uh, doing camp, and most of them is be- are because they were you know perhaps larger real estate companies that were in it for a quick yeah. buck. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but it, then it, that means there's a lot of vacancies uh, in, in the market. But, but yeah. the, the general feeling is, is kind of, it's, it's mixed. Um, we understand it's been significantly affected. Uh, we also understand that, um, you know, summer schedules are certainly going to be shortened. Uh, mm-hmm. All of the, the months leading up to summer are now, kind of in jeopardy just because uh, there will be a period to, for, of confidence to come back for parents to be able to let their children go back into the hands of operators. And then also we are unsure if winter programs for next year might be even shortened to make exactly. up yeah. for mm-hmm. the lost summer, uh, uh, the lost uh, school, school time. Students. Yeah, school time yep. for, for students here in China. And so, and then for uh, the larger education uh, market uh, industry. So, for example, English uh, schools or extracurriculars or math clubs or, or, or you know, um, th- their weekends are also going to be cut into uh, because kids will be potentially be using that time to make up for lost class time. So, um, so it's it's a bit mixed, but also at the same time, um, you know, it's it's there's 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 pros and cons to take away. And I think the people who are really in it for the purpose of serving kids mm. are going to stay yeah. through. And um, and yeah, there's there's a number of, of ways to look at it. Um, but yeah, it is. It, it would be um, it would be wrong to say that that you know it's, everything is all jolly and well here. <laughs> yes, we uh, dealt with the COVID nineteen issue uh, yeah. first. Uh, one of the we were the first country to deal with it, and 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 um, and c- controlled spread. Um, but yeah, it's still, it's still, uh, going to be a, quite a challenge, uh, moving forward, but, uh, just no, for we're optimistic. Context. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, uh, just for context, this hit right around the time of Chinese new year. 
Okay. And so most of the kids have been out of school since around January the 15th. Wow. Um, and as of yet, they have not been gone back to school and they don't know when they're going to go back. Have um, they been so doing distance learning? Of, so yeah, a lot of schools have been doing online programming. Mm-hmm. Um, many of our friends who are teaching the international school community have been doing online classes for the best three weeks, since I guess the beginning of March. Okay. Um, and so even some of our like other camp industry partners have been starting to do online programming as well, trying to get some of the kids' relationships going and just be creative and innovative so people can keep talking. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I, this quote keeps coming back to me over and over again. Crisis reveals uh, character. Um, and, you know, there's so many camps I've heard of in the United States doing online campfires or online sing-downs or, you know, something to, to get their communities together. Um, and I know here in the States and talking with a number of different camp directors, mostly in the Northeast because that's where I'm um, set, but also a number of camp directors uh, in the Southeast that I know. You know, everybody is on page with we're doing our best to build our community uh, and keep our community tight and take care of the kids uh, and take care of the families, which, you know, warms my heart in this situation when you realize that there are so many, the vast number of people in this industry are doing it for the kids and for the the families that, that they support. What do you think, what do you guys think are going to be some of the, the learning moments for this, for, for families um, and, and for you guys as camp professionals? one thing that's kind of stuck out to me really is like to slow down um mm. i mean we homeschool elias my son and we've been homeschooling for the last two years but i mean i'm generally not here on the weekends because i'm always at camp sure or when i am at camp he's always like i love going to camp but it's the time i see you the least because i'm obviously <laughs> like running and doing other things um and so i mean i've gotten to spend time with him which i haven't spent for a long time this past weekend is british mother's day mm-hmm. um and so i actually was home with my wife on her mother's day. And she's like, this has not happened in the last nine years. So that was a big deal. <laughs> um, I think another thing is, I guess people are going to value the time they have with their family a little bit more. And we've also noticed a, a desire for people to be outside. Mm. Yeah. N- nothing yeah. like being cooped up, uh, making it <laughs> very <laughs> yeah. interesting to be outside now. How about you, Mark? Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, a very similar thing to echo from what Mike just said. I mean, it definitely has given, if we're talking personally, given me a chance to, to kind of slow down and, and reflect on you know everything that we do. And, and, and then seeing my friends and colleagues and, and families, like the how, you know, the children are being even more reconnected with their parents who traditionally are quite, you know, uh, busy with their work. And mm-hmm. especially, I would say, to a, even a higher degree here in China, um, and it's going even more specifically uh, with fathers in the relationship. And so it's been, if it, it, it now it's been, I think it's great for a number of, of people across the country uh, to be able to have that time, uh, invaluable time with their kids. And then, but also this, uh, the also like going on from what you said, uh, being cooped up and, and, and also kids are being at home. And now there's a lot of shifts to online learning. It, to me, it just means that kids are going to need camp more than ever after this. Mm. Uh, they're going to need that that social interaction. They're going to need that outdoor element. Um, so there, I think there will be a, a strong thirst for uh, what we do. Um, you know, when when we all are ready to come out of this, I'm pretty confident of that. Yeah, it's funny. But, not... it would all, but, but I will say it will be probably closer to home. They would probably prefer mm. for their for their children to stay in China, where it's close by and they can avoid. Sure long flights so well yeah i mean 
to to be separated, you know, after we saw what happened with international flights here in the states, you know, the the trust factor is definitely going to be very very different. Um, the risk appetite, Absolutely. if you will, yeah. uh, will be very different for a lot of families uh, traveling internationally for for camps or for whatever. And if you're going to go, you're all going to go together. Um, at least that way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you'll, you'll I mean, that together. was that was a major draft for me to go to the UK in uh, late February. It's basically um, when this hit, I was actually in the UK at a recruitment fair. Mm. Um, and so the UK and the US were evacuating people, but you could only go on the plane if you had the same passport. And so because my son has two two dual citizenships, he's only ever had his American passport previously. Mm. And so my wife was going to be evacuated, but he couldn't go with her. And wow. so that was the whole motivation for us to go, just since it's kind of to the tailspin, basically. That's crazy. So what is the... I know we were in, in Beijing uh, for a little while after the camp conference, so I can get to know uh, that city and, and see a number of our families. Um, there were um, It was a pretty thriving American expat community yeah. uh, in Beijing. Is it the same in Shanghai? Yeah, absolutely. There's... I think about 70,000 expats in, in Shanghai. Wow. Living in, like, in the major con- community. And um, we're all plugged into different WeChat groups, as you know. Sure. Um, we talk all the time. And so even my closest group of friends is about 25 families, and about 15 of them originally had moved from Beijing to Shanghai before we came. And we kind of talk every day because normally when we're able to like, move around, we see each other once a week in some form or another. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we get updates right now. So three of my friends just came back. Um, and so my friend Fraser is a pilot for Spring Airlines, and he flew in from Canada. And so he's starting a 14-day mandated government quarantine in a facility, mm. uh, mainly because, you know, obviously we're trying to lock down to make sure that whoever comes in doesn't bring anything that we don't need to let go. Sure, absolutely. Marco, how large is the expat community in Beijing? It's quite large, too. Um, it's it's the the diplomatic capital, obviously. So mm-hmm. there's definitely that huge element of people or, or huge community of people, diplomats, their families, and the like. Um, there are a lot of multinationals here. So, but yeah, it's pretty it's pretty large, and um, there are quite a lot of Americans as well. Um, so yeah. definitely uh, definitely a significant community here of expats for sure. Awesome. So having gone through the last three months of this in in China. Um, what would be some of your advice to, to families? You know, here in the States, we're really just getting going. I think we're on day, you know, nine or 10 of social distancing. Um, a number of, I think about a, a quarter of the states have issued, you know, st- shelter in place, um, shut down a ton yeah, of businesses. You know, so life has certainly changed here in, in the U.S. You know, you guys have now gone through it now for, for multiple months. What would be some advice that you would, would give parents um, here based on your experience so far? Hmm. Um, right. Dealing with the kids, you want to go, Marco? Go. No, no, it's okay. Uh, for parents, uh, you're the father here. I still have. <laughs> I'm still waiting for mine. <laughs> yeah, well, that would be a surprise for the podcast. Like, by the way, you know, <laughs> by the way, we have to, we do have to say, you know, Marco, congratulations on your recent, your recent marriage. You know, we're, we're yeah, thrilled yeah, for yeah. you on that point. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, one of the things I noticed is, I guess, now that we're less, I mean. The first couple of weeks, we thought it was only going to be very short. It was going to be over. And so we went from being relatively relaxed to then going like, oh, my God, we don't know how long this is going to last. Mm-hmm. And we got really strict and started setting up these timetable schedules. And then we were just as stressed as we were before trying to make sure that we got through all the learning we had to do. And we were deciding how much you had to learn. And we we're yep. like, well, why are we making us do all this extra learning if we don't really know? 
Yeah. Um, and so we started to give him, uh, my son specifically, he set up his own table. And so the first block of the day is the learning mm-hmm. where he has some like homeschool work he has to do and then we do some Montessori work. And then he has like a two hour like free scheduled area. And just because we're at home, he ends up doing a lot more work because he just wants to do it because it's fun. He reads a lot. Mm-hmm. And so be kind to yourself and kind to your children. You know, you don't have to try to replace the entire school semester by yourself. Right. You know, things will go back to normal eventually. If your kid's eight, like my son happens to be, you know, I don't need to have him prep for college today. He'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I, I love that idea of, of being kind to yourself. Um, and being yeah. patient with yourself and then being able to be kind to, to others after that because it certainly is very, very different. How about you, Marco? Right. Right, I mean, not not speaking from a, a parent parental perspective, but um, I will just say just, you know, take it seriously. Um, you know, I, I understand uh, there's... Well, I just I just hope that people do take it seriously, take the quarantine or rather the self-quarantine and the, mm-hmm. and the social distancing quite seriously. Um, also, um, if you can, well, I know the CDC is not recommending to, to wear masks, but here and in parts in most of Asia, it's pretty much the standard. Uh, it is a, 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 a uh, in, in our opinion here <laughs> that it's, it's a way to, to reduce the spread of it to uh, your, the people around you. Mm-hmm. But, um, but in the home, I mean, for those that can, and what really worked for my wife and I was just having, trying to, trying to keep a routine as mm. much as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, having more conversation, uh, you know, having conversations with people outside your home as much as possible too. Um, so for here, I mean, it was, I, we were strictly limited to just this, you know, one bedroom apartment, uh, not able to go out. So I found myself, uh, calling friends and family more often and that kept me quite sane. And, uh, we were, uh, just trying to stick to a routine throughout the day to, to make sure that we, um, you know, had something to do. So it's just finding that balance and, and use, and also use the extra time you have to explore, uh, uh, something new. You know? yep. So whatever that is, I started playing guitar a little more. I started reading a bit more. And, and uh, so just a, a, a few of those things I think will keep uh, the relationship uh, nice and intact. Tell you, that's that's the, the one common denominator across the world of camp people. You guys will always find a silver lining. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there are, I mean, you're right, there's there's so many opportunities. You know, we've, we've said several times that at, at our camp, if, if you approach the world with, with gratitude, if gratitude is your lens, you know, the world's a bountiful place regardless of what's going on. And I've been reading, frankly, a lot of, of Viktor Frankl lately, um, Man's Search for Meaning and a couple of his other works. And, you know, that's, he, he saw beauty and he saw hope in the worst human situation you know certainly in the last 200 years that, that we we know of um and if he can do that there then we can certainly do you know find the beauty and the the glory and the the joy in this situation i mean just the fact that the three of us get to talk in in three major cities across literally across the world um using yeah. zoom is a pretty incredible thing yeah it's unbelievable Awesome. Well, guys, it's, it's always a lot of fun um, getting together. I, <laughs> I have very fond memories of our time in Shenzhen together and, and then Beijing. Um, please make sure to tell um, all the families you guys talk to in, in China that you know we're, we're going through this with them, and, and we hope that things Absolutely. pass quickly, and um, we're all hopeful for, for continuing better and better relationships uh, with everybody. Because I think, if, if nothing else, this, this thing has taught me that 
we are one community on the globe. We got a very small yeah, neighborhood when you get down to it, um, and we're the only neighbors that we have that we know of right now in the universe. So we might as well, you know, act neighborly and, and take care of one another in that yeah, way. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, guys. Thanks so much for being around the campfire with me. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Cole. See you. It's really nice seeing my friends in China again. They're great guys, wonderful camp people, and fantastic hosts. I will say that if you want to celebrate a birthday in China, get introduced to some very different and really excellent foods, or get totally soaked on a very small boat while crossing the South China Seas in order to inspect an island summer camp, Mike and Marco are definitely the guys to call. As they both mentioned, there are some definite benefits from the situation. Things like more family time. The idea that organizations who are in this to care for kids will make it through it. Slowing down and getting a better sense of what's most important. And the understanding that we're all in this together. It's, they're such important ideas. And that's kind of the point, isn't it? That we're all in this together. Have we as a species made some mistakes in managing the spread of this disease? Of course. And it would be another tragedy not to learn from those mistakes. We're all neighbors on the small little rock that's spinning and floating through the sea of space. It's time we all got around a campfire and relearned what it means to work together. Speaking of which, we have to continue to connect, even if we need to do it at a physical distance. The photos of birthday parties separating, uh, being separated by windows or the Italians singing from their porches to each other, video happy hours, or so many other things, Humans have made it this far by working together and being together. We've got to keep that mentality alive, using all the wonderful tools that we can. I, I do need to point out one thing that has changed since my conversation with Mike and Marco a couple weeks ago. The CDC does now suggest for all of us to wear masks when around other people. I just want to make sure that I cover that before I signed off. Thanks for taking the time to listen. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll leave a review on whichever service you're using. The more positive reviews, the more these ideas will spread. And also, please invite a friend. Our campfire circle is large enough for everyone to enjoy. Until we speak again, I hope that you'll connect socially at a distance while remaining patient, healthy, and hopeful. Thanks again to our friends at Scope for sponsoring the Campfire Conversation podcast. SCOPE stands for Summer Camp Opportunities Promote Education. They provide children from underserved communities with life-changing opportunities through the experience of summer camp. SCOPE campers benefit from a positive, safe, and healthy environment led by excellent role models who give them the chance to develop their full potential. We both believe that summer camp reinforces what children learn in school and enhances overall academic learning. If you would like to help give some wonderful children a life-changing experience, I hope you'll join me in supporting Scope. You can find them online at scopeusa.org and on social media at support scope.